Good morning and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, so get ready to get triggered. Hello and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, and with me is my expert panel, Amara and Samuel. How are you guys? Great. Great. Awesome. And on top of that, we've also got special guest Zahavi Zenoberg, a conservative strategist who has worked in both provincial and municipal levels, joining our panel. Thank you for being here, Zahavi. Thanks for having me. Uh, so to begin, all opinions expressed are not those of Ryerson or Ryerson faculty and are only those of the individual commentators. Viewer discretion is advised. Before we get to the news, the Rabin Report would like to announce that Jordan Pines is no longer a part of the show uh, as he has decided to pursue other interests. As such, we will be having different guests each week joining our panel. No matter what happens, you can expect a great show for you, as always. Coming up a little later in the program, we'll be talking about our main topic, The Democrats Part 2. But first, let's take a look at our top stories in our weekly update, starting with uh, the Taliban and the United States signing a peace agreement, which is pretty historic. And uh, what's everybody's thoughts on that? They've been at war for so long, and now there's peace all of a sudden? I think we should wait and see what happens. I think it's great. Uh, one, Trump ran uh, on an anti-war uh promise largely in the middle east and i think that uh the time they've spent in the u.s is way too long and the deal from the preliminary information i've received that's available online it seems like a good deal um it's interesting i see a lot of uh a lot of left-wing people who were always anti-war and then they're criticizing trump because oh there he's appeasing the taliban well like if you held an anti-war position, how else do you think they would have exited the country? Mm. It just seems like they're just saying, they're just trying to criticize him for just for the sake of criticizing him. Well, this mm -hmm. is actually something I would have expected Democrats to have uh, further champion because I know the preliminary uh, aspect of it all really started under the Obama administration. But um, someone like Tulsi Gabbard uh, who's who's still running in the presidential mm -hmm. Democratic primary. Uh, she's very anti-war. It's a big plank of her campaign. This is really just something that I would have expected her to have advocated for. And I think I never would have expected this to be something that the Trump administration would have ever uh, entertained. So, yeah. I think that's yeah. just the partisan nature of politics, especially American politics. Um, I think marrying yourself to a political party so much so that you have to like criticize good things because the other side did it is just ridiculous. Yeah, and, so. and it's fair, but it's just from an ideological perspective. Well, that's why they're not. That's why the people Samuel was talking about don't aren't happy because Trump's Trump and he's a Republican. To be fair, I could see uh, like Ted Cruz type Republicans criticize if it had been a, a Democratic president. If they had made the same deal, I would have. I could see, imagine them 
criticizing their Democratic president because they'd be like, they're just they're making they're making a weak deal. They don't they we should kill the I can see it. We should kill the Taliban, not agree with them. You yeah, know? that's it's both sides. Yeah, it, partisanship it. is it not is, is not great. And I think yeah, either way, acting like something that's good is bad because the other guy did it. I think is just ridiculous. Politics is about representing the people and doing what's best for them, not winning. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I think it's good that they've left. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on then to the migrant crisis in Greece. Um, Turkey has pretty much been sending uh, migrants to Greece, and Greece has been trying to defend its borders. Uh, It's really a crisis. What's everybody's thoughts on that? Does... Uh, Is Greece doing the right thing? Why is Turkey doing this? So I just want to clear up. Are they Turkish refugees or are they refugees that Turkey has accepted from other countries? Refugees that go through Turkey or have been held by Turkey in the past and then now are... So is it fair to say that they're being sent? Yeah, because Erdogan has made public statements that he wants to flood Europe with refugees. It's like millions over the course of, I think, a couple of years. But it seems like it's a very driven... Like they wouldn't have exited Turkey. Like it's, they have to go through the whole country, right? Like I it think, was, it was a political decision. I mean, Greece is perfectly free to not accept refugees, and I don't think storming borders is necessarily the right way to go about anything. So, I, in terms of the whole entire refugee crisis, I do think that countries should accept refugees, but it's up to them to decide how many and when and how. And I don't think you can just like walk in. Mm-hmm. So I just I think it follows a pattern from other European countries that are, for the lack of a better way of putting it, uh, gone further right. And I think it just, it, it kind of mirrors, if 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 I may, Donald Trump's um, travel ban, but, or, you know, and also to add to that, it also his, uh, the build the wall. So I, I think it's just mirroring that and it's gotten to a place where it's just spiraled out of control and now they're they're really struggling to how they're going to deal with it. Yeah, I think um, globally the the whole project of internationalism uh, for the last you could say maybe fifty sixty years uh, implemented largely after World War II. Um, I think the negative effects of those that project is being understood by the global community, and no matter where, if it's in South America, Eastern Europe, North America, I think there's a growing tide. You can say populism or just uh, restrictionist in trade, immigration. I think that that's mm-hmm. going to be a rising trend. Uh, well, I, it's just quite interesting to see that the migrant crisis is back in the news because we were uh, Canada was accepting refugees about a couple of years ago. They were accepting uh, pretty much the most refugees than any other country. Um, I, I don't. I'm highest. Per highest, capita. highest per yeah. capita. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, what do you see? How do you see no. this situation being resolved? Sorry, I, I, highest per capita, that status for immigration. I don't know if that's necessarily for refugees, but maybe a more. I think there are other European countries too. that have taken a lot of refugees. I know Germany's taken quite a bit of refugees. Mm-hmm. Sounds correct. Um, I think also we're just kind of lucky in North America, just geographically where we exist. Um, and even luckier than the States, I guess, because they have migrants that come through South America and Mexico. Uh, I mean, I know there are refugees that walk through like Vermont, but... This something like storming the border is probably not going to happen in Canada because I doubt they're going to walk through the Arctic. So I feel like we're just yeah, people have done it before. We're kind of lucky to uh, just be where we are. We Canada has more, I think, a lot more control over the refugees they choose to accept because it's not likely that people are just going to like 
come. Well, they were having people jump the queue. That was a big yeah, problem. That's what I was going to say. In yeah. the last year or so. Yeah, that... I didn't. I like I mentioned the people walking through Vermont. There are problems, but I don't think something like this is going to happen in Canada anytime soon. Why do you think Turkey is doing this? Why do you think Turkey wants to have refugees take over uh, Europe? Uh, I don't Turkey... think that's what they want. No, the way I, I didn't read, I'm not, I don't know Turkish, so I can only rely <laughs> on like a headline translation. But he seems like uh, he want, Turkey wants to, especially Erdogan, wants to assert itself uh, um, in, the, in the region, which is why they're invading, I guess you could say, uh, northern Syria. And then I, I think I'd have to do a little bit more research into what he said, but I think this uh, using like weaponized refugee, like human waves into eastern and southern southeastern Europe, I think that's just a leverage tool. He, he's like opening the valve saying, this is why I can do Europe. Obviously, it's a financial burden on them. Uh, and maybe it's leverage to get some kind of concession that he wants. I really mm. don't know. It's strange. Yeah. Uh, well, we're just going to have to see what happens. Uh, and in terms of seeing what happens, we're back on a very local issue, which is the Ryerson Student Union. <laughs> Amara, you're very passionate about that subject. Uh, currently, Ryerson today, actually, is voting on a new system to uh, run Ryerson Students Union because Ryerson, uh, as mentioned previ previously on the show, terminated its agreement uh, since 1986 with the Ryerson Student Union, and there has been a lot of drama taking place and a lot of... Amara. I think it's... So, I mean, I'm not clear on all of the drama. I don't follow the Facebook the groups tea. that closely, but I think... So right now there's kind there's the election going on for the new uh, like yeah. structure of the government and there's like beef between those groups and then I believe that there was like a fake account made in order to target somebody and it was based on a personal vendetta not necessarily like student politics I just think it's hilarious and very indicative of the nature of student politics that there's all of this drama going on before the election to figure out how our new student government is even going to look. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's ridiculous. And like always, things to do with the RSU or any sort of Ryerson Students Union are exhausting and pretty exclusive to a small group of people. Uh, Zahavi, as you don't go to Ryerson, what have you heard <laughs> about Ryerson uh, from an outsider's perspective? So I went to York and uh, dare I say I have not much... Uh, to really carry with myself in terms of pride of my alumni, but um, I got a good education there, but from the student uh, activity and the student union activity and all the student groups that were involved there, obviously, as you probably know, or it's there's a, there's a debate or a, a dispute of some sort always really going on there. But uh, from what I actually know about the Ryerson situation is that the reason why Ryerson, like the university, took away their or revoked their funding uh, from the student union was because they were, you know, using the money that they were given on things like alcohol <laughs> yep. and uh, like yeah. food, like things that were not like what they were. Something it was like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mismanaged. So, but then, what the whole purpose of a student union? From you know my from what I know is that you know they want to provide services for students that you know like mental health, uh, you know funding for different causes and what have you. But then it always what you always see is that these unions go down a road where it always goes into some political activity that usually manifests itself 
uh, on the left. And in the grand scheme of things, the university has these services that the union, the student union would provide anyway. Like there is a a mental health uh, service provided by the university. So these fees that the um, university would have normally given the the student union is – it's like the Doug Ford when the student choice initiative. Where's the money going? Well, I think that's I don't think it's necessarily like politically like an ideological problem. I think it's just the lack of oversight. Um, the Ryerson Students Union does have some good services like they have. I believe they do stuff like they can give food to students who don't need it. Yeah, I know the that good you food can get, center. They have the sexual assault. Yeah, you can get uh, supporter. But don't center. like but, the, doesn't the university have those services mm, anyway? No, no, not but, all of them. But you can also get free uh, like period products and condoms and stuff like that. And I think. I do think it's important that we're advocated for, especially in negotiations and just conversation in relation to the university. Um, But I think that the issue comes from the lack of oversight and you give, we're adults, but young adults, very young adults Mm -hmm. with not a lot of experience, a lot of money, like the execs are salaried and then they have access to these credit cards that have so much money. Um, And it's usually like, I think the turnout was, is like 2% usually yeah, here. Hello. So not a lot of people know what's going on. Um, not a lot of people are involved. And a lot of people so... think these elections are, York, I can certainly say that they're rigged. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of money that's being handled. So I think it's just a lack of oversight and just people who, I guess, just get too big for their britches and get an ego because... Two percent of the student population voted them, voted mm-hmm. for them. It's probably just mm-hmm. like their entire extended friend group. And yeah, exactly. Friend it's of... usually, and then they do things like with the whole Ram Ganesh situation, like retreats. There's those videos mm-hmm. from them having parties with alcohol or going on retreats. If it's your extended friend group and those are the only people who vote or are involved, it's just it's and, not democratic. And one at all. thing you mentioned the last time we spoke about the RSU, which I think is very true. Unless you benefit somehow from the RSU, you're not supporting them. Yeah, there's. I haven't met anyone like in any of my classes that speaks positively about the RSU. One person, and they worked for the RSU. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty telling when somebody's advocating pretty hard for the RSU that mm-hmm. they benefit some way. Well, I never benefited from the York Federation of Students because, like I said, they tend to align themselves with very left-wing uh, political issues. I just think that the Ryerson, like, I guess Canada 150 could yeah. be considered left-wing political. But I don't the, even know if BDS that would be left-wing. <laughs> B- B- BDS, BDS yes, a big but problem. I don't even think that the Canada 150 is a left-wing issue. I think that's just so, yeah, such a small minority It wasn't of even all of the, like, execs right. that agreed. So I think, for me at least, the problems that I have with the student union aren't necessarily, like, political ideology. I think mm-hmm. if the Ryerson Student Union could get its shit together. Maybe we could see that that is an issue, but I feel like right now it's just the fact that Mm -hmm. they're not doing anything for the students and seem to be in it so that they can take Ubers and drink and go to clubs and go to debt consolidation firms and not do a financial audit because it's too expensive and then sue the school with With our money money. for using our money. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Well, now let's uh, fly over to the other side of Canada on the West. Uh, We're going to talk about the pipeline, the Coastal Gas Link pipeline protests, checking in on that situation. Uh, There was an agreement that was reached, uh, some sort of an agreement that was reached, but the blockades are still not down. Why is that? So from my understanding, the agreement was made uh, exclusively with the hereditary chiefs. Um, and then I've, I've seen... Uh, the hereditary or elected? Hereditary. Oh, okay. And then the uh, I've seen things on Twitter and other news sites were saying that the elected chiefs kind of felt left out or I guess the proper word would be disenfranchised from the whole process. Uh, especially because 
the elective chi- elected chiefs, I believe there are more of them than the hereditary chiefs. But I, it's political, right? Exactly. The existence of those two but bodies. So there, there, not a lot of the de- not a lot of the details of the deal have been made public. But I, what I imagine happened was just some kind of you know money under the table, or you not not literally like dirty money, but they probably provided them funding either directly and directly, uh, gave some concessions. The government did. I, I like. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt the hereditary chiefs made any concessions. And if they, some kind of solution was made, I doubt it was the type of structural solution that we had discussed uh, in prior episodes that I think we all agreed was absolutely necessary. So this is just going to, it's going to pop up again. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, another that, two or three years, maybe even less. That sort of structural solution takes a lot longer and it's going to take so much work um, and that's what I think. So I think the issue with the wet sweat and people in BC and then the issue with the fact that there's like solidarity blockades still going on in other parts of the so, country are two different things. Because I think I know that there's a lot of like anti-pipeline just in general people. And I think honestly, just like bored people who want to protest doing the solidarity protests. Unemployed um, but, don't even That don't speak for the wet sweat. Exactly. Yes. But I think that there's also something to be said for the way in which the Canadian government negotiates and deals with the indigenous community and like i mentioned um the elected chiefs aren't something that they necessarily did it was something that was put in place by the indian act by the canadian government so i just think it needs to be figured out because obviously there's issues with i don't think throwing money at the problem of of the problems that the indigenous communities face is necessarily good it hasn't worked but i also understand that they want sovereignty so they don't necessarily want the canadian government going in and governing them so i think there needs to be like like i said maybe another royal commission just something to figure it out because like samuel said this is just it's just kicking the problem down the road something mm-hmm. else is going to happen somewhere else with another tribe and it's just going to be the exact same thing how bad it's like taking a toll on trudeau's electoral prospects like there was a poll that came out yesterday that said if an election was held today that the Conservatives essentially would garner the same support that they got in October. So that was like 33, 34%. The Liberals who got about 33, like it was like, in terms of the popular vote, it was like down one from the Conservatives. They're down from like, or the the 33% to 26%. And a lot of their support actually went down, uh, came from the NDP. The NDP yeah. shot up from like, I don't know, 15% to 25 so obviously it's a snapshot in time, but Trudeau's personal approval numbers have also like he kind of retreated any negative opinion about him from blackface and <laughs> just his record as prime minister uh, when the Iran uh, the plane crash happened. And yeah, he, mm-hmm. he dealt with that pretty well. Yeah, I have did. to say, even as a conservative, um, but this basically took any. Uh, gains that he made in terms of his approval and just shot his disapprovals like right up. Yeah, I think regardless of your like position on the blockade issue, I think people were just fed up and annoyed with Trudeau not doing anything. It didn't seem like he was doing anything. So I think people were annoyed with that. Um, and yeah, blackface, that's a thing too. <laughs> well, uh, in terms of a cross-country situation. Let's finally check in on the coronavirus. Um, it's back in the news. We have about uh, over 30 cases now in Ontario, um, and it's clearly clearly a bigger issue. It's spread all over Italy. Uh, it's in, I believe, over 30 countries as well. Um, what's what? What are we doing? Do you think Trudeau's response to the way it's being handled in Canada is appropriate, seeing as other countries are restricting travel entirely, or at least to the affected areas? I think that um, 
we're we should acknowledge that Canada is a developed industrialized nation that has, you know, a pretty good healthcare system that I think is pretty well equipped to deal with something like this. Um, you know, we're not necessarily just like Italy. I also think that, um, again, like I said, the first time we talked about it, um, of course, the numbers are way up from when they, from what they were then. But many, the majority of the cases still don't require hospitalization. M- the majority of people recover. Um, it's really if you're old or have an otherwise weakened immune system that you really need to be worried. Obviously, I don't want to catch it. I don't think anybody wants to. But I think we should just still, you know, keep that in mind that it's not the plague. Um, but I don't think right now that he's necessarily doing anything super wrong. I think people... His being... health minister, I think a week ago, said that people should start stockpiling, like, yep. as if there was going to be, like, a... Yeah, I think a, that's a, an overreaction. Yeah, like, it, it makes it seem like, an, like it is the plague. When you read that the government's telling you to stockpile essentials, that's terrifying. And then we've all seen pictures, I'm sure, of grocery stores. There's, like, no hand yeah. sanitizer in going, the country. If, like, people are treating, like... Uh, like a little like ounce of hand sanitizer. Yeah, like, like gold. The, the price has surged. It's like forty five dollars on Walmart. I saw like N ninety five masks on eBay and stuff like that. Like people, I think people just want like chaos and want to be excited and want to be a part of something crazy Modernity going on. Modernity is boring. And exactly. We drab. don't get a plague or an, we don't get the Spanish influenza or anything fun like that, right? The uh, a lot when you do a lot of reading for World War One, it's I just I'm just it'll make sense. The, a lot of the uh, justifications and the reason why people so happily accepted their leaders' uh, reasons for going into war was that people were bored. They, like nothing had happened in Europe in the last forty years, and they just wanted some excitement. I think that's like the human condition. There's like oh, something happening. Oh my god! Oh my by god! By design, the peace in Europe, nationalism. Prior to World War One, yeah, nationalism was on the rise and stuff like that. Yeah, I think people do get bored and want to be part of something exciting um like my mom said she was at costco recently and we were like at, like there was somebody offering to sanitize her cart but they were oh, holding like that. sanitary wipes mm-hmm. without gloves so that's not like it's not very sanitary to walk around sanitizing everyone's cart without wipes and no one was throwing them out they were just sitting around like people are also just being i think people are being ridiculous and hysterical um a lot of normal people Run for are. the hills mm-hmm <laughs> You don't think that people are being ridiculous, Sam? You no. think it's serious? Yeah, you should stockpile. Yeah, and have. You should and, always uh, have a stockpile, though. I don't, uh, I don't think depends. most people don't. Most people don't, I mean, you but should you, a, should. you should. have something. You should be but prepared for something to happen. How much food do you have? Not a lot. How long could it last you? Like, How long could you last days? if the water went off? Not long at all. Yeah. But I think that those should be things that you always plan for. We have blackouts in the city in the summer a lot of the time. You should prepare for things like that. Um, and again, I just, what are you going to do? If you think it's the plague, what do you, pres- what do you suggest that people do? Okay. Well, we're all not home. So <laughs> uh, can I give a little anecdote? Do we have time for that? Uh, very quickly. Okay. My uncle lives on a military base or near a military base in Alabama. We were joking like, Oh, what would happen if like, it's like apocalypse. What if the, like a missile hit, you know, the base, which is what would happen in a war. He says, I'm not, I wouldn't try to survive. I would go on the front lawn and just wait for, for the bombs to drop. Like he just doesn't. I think some people are like that. They're like, okay, yeah. the world's ending. I just want to die. Like when the Hawaii, <laughs> do you remember that yeah, mis- then missile, the mistake? Yeah. And a lot of people are just kind of like, okay, like you can't do anything about it. Yeah. So feels like just giving up. Though. What yeah. What do you suggest just wash that your damn we do? Hands. Exactly. Oh. That you should have been doing cough into your, anyways. Cough into your, cough into your sleep. Wash your hands. And when you get and home, get on with your damn When lives. you get home from being outside, don't go eat or touch your baby or your grandma without washing your hands. Like, come on. Okay. I agree. It's basic hygiene that will protect us.
That's probably the best bet. Well, I, I, I guess that's. I mean, it, it never hurts to be a little more careful. Is is the you're point. not at home? No, but just to to wash your hands more. It never hurts to be more careful. No, but, but. let's uh, let's now move on to our main story, which is the Democrats Part Two. In season six, we had an episode called The Democrats with our old panel Marshall, Daniel, Tamar, and special guest Jake, who you'll remember from our election special episode. Back then, we discussed how the Democrats regained control of the House, uh, newcomers to the party, and prospective nominees for the ticket in 2020. Today, following Super Tuesday, we're back with part two of this political party to see how much has changed. According to the Washington Post, Super Tuesday is the United States presidential primary election day in February or March when the greatest number of U.S. states hold primary elections and caucuses. Approximately one-third of all delegates to the presidential nominating conventions can be won on Super Tuesday, more than any other day, rather. The first state to cast their ballot was Iowa on February 3rd, and the final will be the Virgin Islands on June 6th. Until one candidate gets 1,991 delegates, the number needed for the nomination, the votes will continue to matter. Whoever ends up winning the nomination will then go on to the final stage of the 2020 election, facing President Donald Trump. On today's show, we discuss the importance of Super Tuesday, the remaining nominees' platforms, and once again, if the Democrats can beat Trump in 2020. As a reminder, we are live on Facebook, so make sure to comment on our feed to have your thoughts read live on air. Um, Let's start with how important uh, Super Tuesday is in determining the nominee. Uh, We also want to mention breaking news that Elizabeth Warren has dropped out of the race today. Right before the show, she dropped out. Uh, We're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but how important is Super Tuesday in determining the nominee? Zahabi. Historically, the candidate who has won the most states on Super Tuesday, going back in the last number of cycles, so uh, 2016, Hillary Clinton, 2012, Mitt Romney, 2008, Barack Obama, has uh, gone on to win the nomination. So given that Joe Biden uh, not only had a really great Super Tuesday, uh, if history is an indicator, Joe Biden will be the Democratic presidential nominee. Interesting. Amara? I mean, this is the first U.S. election I followed this closely, mm-hmm. um, so I can't disagree. I haven't researched, and I'm not. I'm going to believe you. I can't disagree with facts if that's true. Facts are um, facts. Yeah, but I hope that I think Bernie's uh, campaign is largely based on people being tired of the status quo and norms and what's historically happened. So maybe, just maybe, this time that won't be the case. Hopefully, mm-hmm. but if that's historically been the case, then I can't argue with that. And Samuel. Yeah, I think I was reading online quickly. It's around roughly around thirty-four percent of the total amount of delegates. And uh, like Zahabi said, yeah, I think the, the historical precedent precedent is that if you win Super Tuesday, you win everything. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about who everybody here was supporting. Um, who are you, or were you supporting in the Democratic race, and why, Zahabi? Let's start with you. I know exactly who you were supporting, but why don't you tell our audience? Wasn't at first, but uh, I was a big fan of uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Uh, I thought he brought a sense of pragmatism and level-headedness that, say, people like Bernie Sanders and uh, even Elizabeth Warren. Um, but I guess on the more moderate side, uh, Joe Biden represents. You know, he's an old white guy pushing eighty. Pete Buttigieg was someone who really 
he he gave a lot of people Obama vibes in the sense that he was. You know, I think he he represented the next generation. He wasn't uh, too far to one end of the political spectrum, obviously, in the Democratic Party's case, the left. And I thought that his for me, what really spoke to me was the the whole his whole candidacy was historic because of the fact that he was a gay male. Uh, the first openly gay person to ever win delegates and ever run for president. So. He did not run on on the basis of his sexuality. Say that you right. know Hillary Clinton very much touched on the fact that she was a woman a lot. So historic candidacy, really. I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amara, I know you really didn't like Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> and why is that? Um, I think that he was. Uh, I think he he didn't mention the fact that he was gay a lot, but I think it was it was between the lines a lot. I think that was a lot of the reason um, that people supported him. I think people saw him the same way that, like you said, gave people Obama vibes. I think people saw him the way they saw Obama as the first person from, you know, a a minority of any sort to be successful in uh, candidacy. Well, I think he got Obama vibes because of the, you know, he was younger and, Yeah, that's what I mean. He's different. Obama was different because he's black. Pete Buttigieg was different because he's gay and because he's way younger than most of the other candidates. If you actually see them talking side by side uh, in edited videos, like, they have the almost exact same candor to their voice. And the way they they structure their sentences and where they pause, like, it's very... Their their candor. Yeah, it's very similar. I, um, I personally am a Bernie bro. I supported and still support Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. I am also Canadian, and I don't have dual citizenship, so I will is not be such voting. Like a Bernie, like like Bernie girl, Bernie says. I don't mind. I think bro can be gender <laughs> neutral. I don't mind that. Um, so I'm not going to be voting. I'm just going to be tweeting angrily to mm-hmm. my Canadian friends. What What I want to ask though is, uh, you mentioned about like Pete Buttigieg being yeah, popular because he's gay. That. Um, do you think that's important? Do you think that that's, no, no, I don't think that's important. That. Uh, he's gay. The president isn't the- not necessarily just that he's gay, but that somebody that is of a certain community runs for president. And do you think that that should I understand go into account? Why it matters um, as a black person? I understand why people were happy that Obama ran and that he won. I understand it, so I assume it would be the same for the gay community, and I understand that. But in terms of politics, I don't think it's important. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the fact that I think Pete Buttigieg's identity was revolutionary and the fact that he was young and he was gay but I think Bernie Sanders politics are revolutionary and I think that's why he gets a lot more support from younger people because younger people want change they don't just want somebody different that says and does the same things is the reason you you don't like Pete Buttigieg the same reason pretty much you didn't like Jagmeet Singh um, just because they I play to their minority dislike oh god I think I dislike Buttigieg more than Singh really um, wow. yeah but yeah that's basically why um and anybody that I feel, you know, takes votes from Bernie and isn't going to win, I think is is a waste. So, yeah. So you definitely didn't think Pete Buttigieg had a chance? No. Even no. I didn't think he had a path to nomination. I thought he outperformed in the earlier states like Iowa and uh, New Hampshire. But throughout the whole process, I knew he was never going to be the nominee. It was more so just about the the magnitude of his candidacy and how far and how well he did. And uh, he, you know, by endorsing Biden, he realized the only way to stop Bernie Sanders and his, 
henchmen of Bernie Bros and all that nonsense uh, was to endorse the person who had the most support with the black community. Yeah, I think Buttigieg uh, realized that he better step in line with the Democratic establishment if he wants to have a future career in politics. And that's why he threw his support behind Joe Biden. I don't think it's because they're ideologically similar. I think he'll be president someday. Joe Biden or Buttigieg? Well, both. Oh, (laughs) well, hopefully not Biden. But I think... um, Buttigieg, he's young, so maybe mm-hmm. he has a lot has of time. time. Um, I don't think right now America would elect a gay president, but I think in the future, as as old people die, <laughs> do you think they would. you think America wouldn't elect a pr- gay president because he's gay? Yes, okay, I do. I don't think that there's. I think there's plenty of Americans that would not vote for someone on the sole basis that they. But are that's gay. the same argument people made against uh, Hillary Clinton that they wouldn't vote for her because she's a woman, and she still got more votes than Trump. No, I'm not saying. I just don't think right now that there's that. America's ready for that. I have no problem with a gay man being president. I just don't think that America would elect a gay man right now. Well, in terms of non-electable or unelectable people right now, let's talk about the other dropouts of the campaigns. We talked about Pete Buttigieg. Let's talk about Amy Klomashar and Tom Sayer, who I called Tom Steyer. Sawyer. Sire? Yeah. Steyer. Steyer. Oh, that's my fault. Like... I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. Last so. week, I think one of you said. Yeah, I said, I said Tom Steyer. Sawyer. Said... I said Tom Sawyer. <laughs> we don't know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so, so cle- yeah. Isn't Tom Sawyer? Isn't that like that's a from character? Huckle- yeah, yeah. character. It's not a real life person. Great seven no. memories. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about then. Obviously, he's not relevant. Let's talk about Amy Klobuchar, who actually, you know, I would say did have a chance to They're, be a, a good uh, a good nominee. I don't think she did. Uh, there's a lot of moderates as well, and I think they realized that they were splitting the moderate vote mm-hmm. a lot. So conveniently, very conveniently, right before Super Tuesday, they all dropped out and endorsed Biden. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, Klobuchar and um, yeah, Pete and they were that's what they were doing. So also Beto O'Rourke. Beto. Sorry, and Tom. Beto, he hasn't Beto endorsed O'Rourke. anyone though. I don't Be- think. Be- Beto? Beto? Is it Beto? Beto? It's not Beto. It's Beto O'Rourke. We can't say anything. Like people show. say Kamala, it's Kamala. Kamala Harris. Like well, Kamala. <laughs> yeah. So Miss <laughs> so, so so I put that out there. So Miss Harris and Miss Klobuchar and Mr. Steyer. Um, Steyer. God. Okay. okay. And Pete. You know, Mayor Pete. Don't forget Mayor Pete. He is well, the, like, we talked the about hardest like name to pronounce. And everyone yeah, gets it. Buddha Judge. It's fine. <laughs> Um, let's talk about, uh, why they, actually, no, let's talk about Bloomberg. Bloomberg, uh, I know you really don't like him. Um, Bloomberg put in $500 million into his campaign and it went down the drain. Did he, did, was it worth it? Like he, he came second in, I believe, Oklahoma to Joe Biden who spent $10,000 on ads in that state and, uh, Bloomberg spent $10 million. Didn't he win American Samoa? Wasn't that his big win? That wasn't even a state though. They can't even vote in the actual election. Yeah, so I I saw this online. Uh, Someone was discussing, oh, like, isn't it stupid? Someone he like Bloomberg wasted five hundred million dollars, and then the the rationale behind that was, I imagine maybe that's his rationale. Uh, Under Bernie's tax policy he would have lost more it was it's a more progressive tax policy obviously he would have lost more under bernie's tax policy than 500 million dollars over the course of four or maybe even eight years can you expand on that well like the tax policy well the, that. the tax policy is more progressive so bloomberg is a higher income earner so he mm-hmm. would be taxed at a higher rate yeah i saw that he would have like 
all that money that he would have invested would have had to be like taxed away. Exactly. Anyway. So the five hundred million dollars, you can think like, even if he won American Samoa, uh, and only that, it, he actually it's a wise investment. It's funny how a, a mm-hmm. multi-million dollar presidential run is a yeah. investment, but it was. So let's talk about the newest addition to the dropout team is Elizabeth Warren. Amara, you're very thrilled about that. Potentially. Well, yeah. Potentially, potentially. Based on who she supports. Now, she hasn't stated who she supports yet. Uh, but She's about I, to make a statement. Right now? Yeah. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, we're all dying to find out uh, what... Oh, has what, she endorsed? I saw, like, uh, 10 minutes ago that she... She hasn't made a decision. I well, that's what I mean. Yeah, she hasn't, she hasn't made a decision. I'm going to look at right now. Um, <laughs> you are? Okay, cool. So while Sam's, Samuel's checking up on that, uh, did she did she have a chance? Like, no. how far is she, How far was she willing to go? How far was she willing to go to undermine her own political ideals in order to not admit that she can't win the race? I don't know. I think this is how far she was willing to go. She should have dropped out before Super Tuesday. I don't understand... Why she would have waited? Why do you think she dropped? Why do you think she dropped out? Did you think? Do you think she, she lost her own state? <laughs> yeah, third. it's done. She lost. To yeah. me, to she me, her going into Super Tuesday was a bit of a dice roll. But mm-hmm. uh, the only scenario that would have seen her have the actual rationale to continue was if she won her home state of Minnesota. Minnesota it's Michigan, right? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Oh my God, I'm Massachusetts. so sorry. <laughs> she not only uh, lost, she came in third, and Joe Biden won Massachusetts, where I, if it wasn't uh, Elizabeth Warren who was going to win her state, I would have thought it would have been Bernie. Yeah. Same thing in Minnesota where Amy Klobuchar, Joe Biden, like, he didn't even have, like, staff in any of these states. Just, like... Think about that for a second. This guy was basically called dead in the water a week ago, and now he, like... It's funny how that works. You know, yeah, but it's not like the Democratic... The DNC controls, like, the, the will of the voters. It's not like they say, like, no, if you don't vote for do Joe Biden. No, but they do make calls and tell people to drop out and endorse Biden right before Super Tuesday. I guess their supporters just have incredible discipline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw a funny meme, and it's like a, a Bernie bro raging with like the hat and it's like him saying oh my god don't you know bernie wants uh, health care for everyone and like a progressive tax policy like yada yada he's just ranting and the other side it's like um this guy with the the biden hat and it's like he 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 no obama <laughs> um speaking of bloomberg um i don't think bloomberg ever like we already talked about bloomberg he didn't really have a chance and he maybe made an investment um but I think Elizabeth Warren, uh, yeah, I think she split the vote. I mean, I we, I think it's clear who I hope she endorses, mm-hmm. and I think she'll really be showing I her... I think she might actually support Biden. Yeah, I think she'll really be showing her stripes if she goes against her own political ideals Perhaps. in order to but, stick but it Bernie, to Bernie but, and but his but supporters. But the Bernie supporters have treated her like absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and fuck people who like, have cancer you. and can't afford their treatment, I guess. My question, though, to you is... Mm-hmm. Okay. My question to you is: Do you think that she suppo- that if she does support Biden, and I asked you this before the show, do you think that if she is supporting Biden, do you think it's because she believes he's the only one that can win, even though she might actually personally support Bernie's policies? I think she might say that if she were to throw her support behind Biden. I don't think she believes that. I think she's salty, and I think her supporters are salty, and I think she would endorse Biden publicly to stick it to Bernie and his supporters. But if Ber- if Bernie's supporters were so rude to her, it seems I don't think like- they were. I think that's also a... a- Hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, if Bernie supporters were so rude to her, isn't it the same situation as Hillary calling Trump supporters deplorable? Why would they support Hillary if they're called deplorable? And if Bernie did treat Warren supporters the same way, hypothetically again, why would she? So Bernie didn't treat anybody. It's his supporters. Bernie Sanders saw and he refused to do anything. He's actually condemned them. 
publicly. So Barely. I don't think he uh, he himself didn't say anything. So I think it's a little bit different than Hillary Clinton, who was the candidate, calling Trump supporters deplorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's different because I don't think that Hillary had a good chance of taking a lot of Trump supporters. They were they're obviously an opposite party. So it I mean we all were there for what happened. It really. I mean, like, do you remember where you were? <laughs> it really <laughs> stirred. Like, oh, I, do. I do. It really stirred up Trump yeah. supporters, right? The That's basket cool. of deplorables thing. Wasn't there the deplorable after that? Like, they liked it. It really stirred <laughs> them up. So I think that um, it's a little bit different because of all the things I mentioned. But for her supporters, why would Warren supporters support Bernie? Um, he is the closest ideologically to Warren. Mm-hmm. So. If he should be their second choice, if that's if she's their first choice, if she drops out, the next closest to her should be their second choice. But there if was a going... poll, if I may, there was a poll I saw, like if if Warren was going to drop out, like over the last couple of days, what would have happened? Uh, who they would go yeah. to? It was surprisingly very close to even, and I think the reason behind that is maybe on the one hand they think that Biden is basically going to be the nominee or he's the best chance of beating Trump, and on the other hand, the the vitriol that Elizabeth Warren had to basically be on the receiving end of from Bernie Sanders supporters really turned them off. And so I think that yeah. the cyberbullying that Warren and her supporters have faced from it's Bernie Bros—they have like memes where like they have like the death person from like Family Guy, like with blood on the, like the campaign signs of each of the dropped out candidates. Uh, so I think that I think it's largely overstated. I I think people are really using that in order to justify not supporting Sanders because they like Warren. I know a lot of women are supporting Elizabeth Warren because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people talk about her like a mom and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of that there. But I think again, I'm if you're going get to a beer, if you're going to portray, <laughs> oh, if you're going to betray your political ideology because people were mean to you then you shouldn't vote like that's not what politics is about and again i guess we're just gonna say fuck you to people who have cancer and can't afford their treatment that's such well, a let's, cop-out it's I'm not sorry. a cop-out people should it. die Won't because they can't afford health care let us let us uh <laughs> question no okay <laughs> What's going on? So let's now talk about the two people that are still in the race: Biden versus Sanders, um, and Tulsi Gabbard. Just, just for for clarity. Don't forget Tulsi. Well, well she's okay. fit. She's in the race, but we're not going to talk about her. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> let's she's talk about. Let's t- hold on. Let's talk about starting with Joe Biden. Can he consolidate the power of moder of the moderate voters? Yeah, he already has. Yeah, he basically. And I think there's going to be history books written about the incredible, like, last 72 hours that Joe Biden has had. The amount of uh, not only, like, how, like, in line the the uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar and now, I guess, Bloomberg, but before Super Tuesday was the first two, how their supporters basically fell in line behind Joe Biden. Like, it's one thing to drop out, but it's also a gamble if your supporters are going to back who you want. Yep. So. Uh, largely it's been reflected that they have as Joe Biden won in states that Bernie Sanders was expected to win. And it seems, and it seems like uh, Joe Biden has basically consolidated the moderate vote. Mm -hmm. I was actually, if I was actually at, uh, so the Democrats abroad held their primary in Toronto on Super Tuesday. Mm -hmm. It was, it took place at a pub not too far away from here, which is an interesting place to have a voting uh, location. But I was talking to a lot of, uh, dual citizens, and I was saying, okay, what's where are your thoughts on where are you at? And a lot of them were saying it was an older crowd. And a lot of them were saying 
uh, just not Bernie, not Bernie. And yeah, that tends to reflect like how the older voters in the, in the States are, are feeling. But even younger people here were like, mm. uh, Samuel, you are a dual citizen. Yes. Oh, What's your that. position? Yeah. <laughs> What's your position what? on that? Surprise have you. The dynamic between Bernie and uh, old Joe people Biden. and young people and well, Bernie and Biden. There's definitely a large, I mean, you have to think of Democratic voter base, like the Republican voter base. I saw even something specifically for the Democrats going into Super Tuesday. The youth demographic is very small compared to like the 55 to. Did you I vote think, in 70. the prime role? No, I'm not, I'm not a registered right. Democrat. But um, there, I, there's a, definitely a large cohort of. Americans, not just Democrats, that be like, "Well, I'm a Democrat, but I'm not a I'm not a socialist. I don't know what that malarkey is, you know." Uh, and I think that cohort, like you said, the moderates would definitely, if they see Joe Biden as the only viable candidate, that's who they'd flock mm-hmm. to. And that's yeah. what they were telling me. They're like, "I wanted uh, Kamala Harris, or I wanted Pete Buttigieg, who got a lot of you know. I'm not just tooting his horn. He had a lot of supporters at that pub." Uh, he, a lot of them were saying, yeah, we're going to strategically vote for Biden because I guess that's the only option now. So So there's two things that I wanted to mention. Um, I think it's, it's not surprising that, um, older people vote for, would vote for Biden over Bernie. Um, Biden is undoubtedly the establishment candidate in this race and older people, I think, tend to toe the party line a little bit more and kind of agree with the establishment. Um, and even in Canada, older people vote more than younger people. It's always a huge thing, you know, at universities and stuff, trying to convince young people to go vote. Um, and then the question, can he consolidate the power? I just wanted to mention mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure black people voted more for Biden than for Bernie Sanders. Yep, he won. Uh... Which I find ridiculous, personally. I'm not American, and I'm, I'm not a dual citizen, so I can't vote. But um, I feel like... Biden's really capitalizing in that sense off of being Obama's VP and Bernie Sanders risked his life and was arrested protesting for civil rights in the 60s. So I don't understand how you could vote for Biden over that. Personally. What's interesting is that both of those running, this is not their first campaign. This yeah. is Biden's third attempt and this is uh, Bernie's second. Yeah. Um, you know, is the third time the charm for Biden? Um, what's, you know, do you think that he can? He's finally the DNC's fave, I guess. Well, I think there's a serious consideration has to be made about who his VP pick is, m- more so Kamala than the other. Ugh. God, I f- like, hope not. I'll get to that. Ugh. After, uh, okay. but, yeah. um, because he is 77 years old. <laughs> uh, he has made a handful of public gaffes. Uh, and he's just like That's a true. weirdo. In the last, like four days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, he's Vote just, on uh, Super Thursday. He's a strange... Strange old Did man. Did really say that? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. He he mistook his wife for his <laughs> sister on stage. Um, he, he's done a yeah. He's, so he's I think a that's a good point. And we should care who his VP is because they might be president if he is. And not not just that he he could you know pass away in office, but that do you uh, really think that's a possibility yeah. that he would pass away in seven, office? Seven years old. So that's well, they're how, all old, aren't they? How old is Bernie? Seventy seven. Seventy eight. They're yeah. all old. But look at men. Obama. When he waltzed into office first, he was all fresh and sharp. Yeah, and then ready you see him go. on the way out. And then on the way out he <laughs> yeah. looked like a skeleton. But we can imagine how stressful it is to be the president. So look yeah. at the United like States. Bernie or Biden, which you know I mean looking look take, Trump, he's in the seventies. They're all old, yeah. So I think that's a possibility for all of them. I guess or spray paint does that. Twelve Leo fishes a day. He's well, taking yeah. a, taking a look at Justin <laughs> Trudeau. An issue with taking that. a look at Justin Trudeau, he hasn't seemed to have aged as bad as Obama has aged while he was. In I office. think it's probably 
and I love my country, but I think it's probably less stressful to be PM than yeah. to be president. I, I, yeah. um, I and I think also- Even I, with the self-inflicted wounds that Justin Trudeau has inflicted <laughs> on himself, yes. yes, I would agree. Also, he has his beard now. That probably makes him look younger. There's a little gray in it. He's mature now. <laughs> God, Canadian now. politics makes me so fucking depressed. <laughs> I'm saying that he's like, I, I'm just, it's just a joke. Yeah, like he yeah. doesn't look as tired and stressed as Obama did on his way out. And I think it's because it's largely not as stressful. But I, his beard well, is. Well, there just were memes about it. if Bernie were to get elected last time, like how he would look going in. And then I think like him leaving was like skeletal, like flesh blowing back. Ew. Like, so is that like the scene from Indiana Jones where like yeah. he composes and. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let let's then you know who do you guys actually think is gonna is gonna clench the nomination? Who do you truly believe is going to be the candidate? To I face think Trump? it's up in the air right now. I don't think I would not say that it's for sure Biden or for sure Bernie. I think it's up in the air. Super Tuesday historically decides the nominee, but that doesn't mean that it has to happen this mm -hmm. time. And there's still a lot of delegates up for grabs, and the difference isn't so large that it would be impossible for mm -hmm. Bernie to catch up and overtake Biden so I don't know I hope it's Bernie but make the case for Bernie Biden. why do you want Bernie <laughs> well I'm Canadian first but if I you think were American why would you I, want Bernie I mean largely I think things like healthcare I don't think anybody should be too poor to live in especially in a developed nation like the United States and I think that um, the predatory nature of the healthcare industry is just ridiculous like insulin and EpiPens and things like that. I don't think you should ever have to worry about how much it's going to cost to get needed medical care. Also, the student loan debt, um, it's, I, I, there's something to be said for people deciding to take on debt and deciding what to study, but I think that the student loan industry is largely predatory. Um, and I think that uh, American politics has largely been overtaken by oligarchs in the 1% and it's supposed to represent the people and I think Bernie does that and I think that's what they need in the States. What's your response? I think it's 110% Biden is going to get the nomination just solely because Bernie was an independent, well, I think 10 years ago. Like he's very he, recently. He ran as a Democrat in 2016 and then went back to the Senate as an independent. Yeah. He that, used as the party. Well, and the he's not a Democrat. And the, like Michael Bloomberg wasn't either, but at least Michael Bloomberg, like, at least Donated put to himself, Republicans. You know, at least, well, but at least he fully immersed himself in the party like for a, an extent of time. Bernie Sanders basically just uses them to run elections. I think I, I would disagree with that. Why? Because I think I don't think Bloomberg has done any. Bloomberg's donated to Republicans. I think it's ridiculous to say that Bloomberg is more of a Democrat than yeah, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, but he's Sanders. made it very clear that yes, he used to be a Republican, but now and he's, now it's convenient to run as a Democrat. Fair enough. But Bernie Sanders like ran on a revolution of taking over the Democratic Party, and then when he lost his nomination, he you know had a little. He went I think back it's pretty reminiscent of Buttigieg's comment comparing Trump's nostalgia for the 50s to Bernie's nostalgia for the revolutionary politics of the 60s. And that was revolutionary politics he's talking about, the civil rights movement. So I think, I, I don't understand this appeal to the status quo that's not working for most of most Americans. I really don't it's get it. It's probably Bernie as a candidate himself. Like, if there was someone that probably, like, I disagree with virtually everything she stands for, but AOC, I think... Um, there's, there's something. She would to have be the exact said. same politics as Bernie Sanders. She's endorsed him. The, um, the Democratic Party is going to split in two, and that's just a matter of demographics. Uh, like you discussed, the the black vote went necessarily to uh, Biden. Um, the Hispanic vote largely went to Bernie. Bernie and 
that progressive wing, I guess, of the party is that has a larger share of Latinos in the you could call them corporate Democrats, like Rust Belt Democrats. Here's here's my question before you go further. Okay. How do you know? Um, and this is like a serious question. How do you go know ahead. where the the black vote and the Latino vote goes if each voter is anonymous? I think census from- data. So they they would what they would do is they would combine uh, the votes with say a certain, I, I think it's a, a county in the U.S., they call it, not a riding, uh, a county, what the racial demographics of that county are, and then compare that to how they voted so with other counties that Majority black yeah. counties voted for Biden for the okay. most part. That's how they do it. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. So now, uh, Zahavi, make the case for why Biden should get the nomination. Well, I think... Sorry, what did you say, Sam? I think, I'm just saying that, like, the progressive Bernie-type... Democrat progressive policies, that wing of the Democratic Party is mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time. It's going to su- supersede the other, you know, corporatist neoliberal sections. Uh, it's just a matter of demographics. Yeah, there's just more people on the progressive there's more side. More Latinos. And I, I yeah, I, I just still don't understand how a regular person thinks that voting for the Democratic establishment is in their best interests. But. Maybe it's because uh, Ber- uh, not Bernie Biden is a familiar face, and they believe that Biden. You know, having already had experience in office, uh, presidential office, I should say, is uh, a, an alternative, is a better option. I think that's a bad reason, but that's maybe. not my reason. No, I'm I know. I'm saying, saying, saying I think people who would vote that way because of that are making a bad decision. I think we should look at policy. Okay, uh, so then Zahavi, back to you. Make the case for for Biden. So for a lot of Americans, and I feel like I have to get this out there. I'm not an American citizen, so I'm not voting in this election, but. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, Americans, whether they're Democrats, independents, and even some Republicans, their biggest issue in this election is to defeat Donald Trump. And a lot of them are putting their who they think is the best, who represents them the best and who their uh, ideas they agree with. They're putting that sort of to a uh, on the side in this specific election because to them they feel like the 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 goal should be in this in this race uh, getting rid of Trump. So the issue that they probably have with Bernie is that Bernie uh while he is a little bit uh you know he excites the youths as it seems maybe not as much this time as last but for he he's too far left for people. Right whether you uh, arguably that's the case for many people and the Republicans have essentially uh, created a campaign against the radical left-wing Democrats that Bernie Sanders uh, would fit into, and that's why you're seeing Donald Trump basically cheer him on and say yeah. that the, the the DNC is rigging it for Biden because they know they want to run against Bernie. They're scared of Biden. Biden is not perfect. Believe me, there are other choice. There are better choices that the Democrats could have uh, chosen. But between Biden and uh, between Bernie, I think what a lot of people saw is that the black community largely supported Biden. That was very evident in South Carolina. And they realized to build the coalition that can grow the party uh, to take, you know, uh, districts and um, counties that Trump won in 2016 in in the Rust Belt. So in places like Pennsylvania, Michigan and uh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need a candidate who will appeal to those working class people, but won't scare off those uh, Obama to Trump voters in 2016. And Bernie does not. For a lot of people, he really turns them off. Like I, if I was um, American and the choice was between Bernie and Trump, 
I probably would not. I probably would write in Pete Buttigieg, but <laughs> I would not want to pick between the two. It's like the evil that you know with Trump versus the evil that you don't know yet. Yeah, with, I don't think free health care is evil. Um, no, and, it's and not I don't about understand policy. what's evil. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it should be about policy. But that's it's the politics. thing with the Bernie supporters is that they focus way too on like, oh, if you don't like Bernie, then you you want no, people to die. It's the like, Bernie Sanders. No, you know, I don't no. think that college no. debt should be written off. Like, no. it's about like fiscal yeah, fiscal so, policy that you know who. Like Martin Luther King said, America's experienced socialism for the one percent, and um, what was it? Rugged individualism for the rest of the of, of America. Um, I think Bernie Sanders supporters say things like, "Well, you don't care about people." Like I've said multiple times on this show, mm-hmm. like but screw people, ridiculous. screw people who have cancer and can't afford it because Biden is not going to make things better for those people, and it's not about Bernie Sanders. If if the f- tables were turned and Sanders was losing and he were dropping, he dropped out today. I would say that we should support Warren because she's another, um, as far as I know, Medicare for all candidate. I don't understand healthcare. Yeah, providing healthcare is not evil, and I think the when you if you're supporting a candidate that doesn't support Medicare for all, you are supporting people continuing to die because they can't afford healthcare. That's a or people, to me. it's the truth. Or people continuing to be put in massive, ridiculous amounts of debt because they can't afford healthcare. So. I guess if that's too far left for people, that really sucks. And I don't, I mean, the 1% in America really pat themselves on the back for convincing the regular American that they're on their but side. But are all those voters not. that supported even Trump and, and Hillary in, and other candidates in this Democratic primary, are they part of the 1%? I feel like that's no, such that's a No, that's the thing. They're not part of the 1%, but they support the candidate supporters. that is put forth by the 1%, which doesn't make any sense because that doesn't work in their own interests. In 2016... Bernie didn't get the nomination, so a lot of his... Yeah, and it took him a very long time to come to that A lot of his supporters, I know, voted for Trump, but I'm sure a lot of them voted for Hillary as well. Again, I'm not American. If I were and Biden were to get the nomination, I would vote for him over Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. But um, So I, I don't think it's about Bernie specifically, but again, you're not... Hillary Clinton, it does not represent the regular person. Neither does Donald Trump, whose father was rich and... Gave him a million so, dollars to start his businesses. So let's then uh, end the show with the most important question, which is, um, does the nominee affect the Democrats' chances of beating Trump? Now, before anybody answers, we asked that question in our poll on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, again, does the nominee affect the Democrats' chances of beating Trump? Samuel, what were the results? So 70% said yes, it does, and 30% said no, it does not. How many people voted? So, twenty-three total votes. Sixteen for yes, and seven for no. And then on Instagram, on Instagram we had sixty-three percent said yes, thirty-seven percent said no, twenty-one total votes, and twelve for yes, nine for no. So most people believe then that the vote, whoever is chosen to be the nominee, affects the chances of beating Trump. What are everyone's thoughts here? Amara? I think it absolutely does. I think uh, Donald Trump would absolutely mop the floor with Joe Biden in a general election. Um, I mean, yeah, he's getting pretty confused pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just pretty easy to point out. Um, I think I'm really interested to see what happens after we have a debate with Bernie and Biden. Just them two. I mm-hmm. think I'd like to Same. see what happens after that. Uh, yeah, I, they definitely the candidate does matter because it, their ability to uh, capture uh, voters in swing states like the Rust Belt, where Trump won by very, very slim margins, like thousands, 
uh, not tens of thousands, but thousands in some states. And I have a perfect analogy for uh, Bernie. He was born, I had to write this down because it's so good. He was born too late to be a Bolshevik and murdered the Tsar in World War I, too early to be president, but just in the, born just in the right time to split the Democratic Party in half. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Whatever. Uh, That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, I think, yes, I agree. It does matter who the nominee is. I, I think, as you know, we've been debating about this in the last few minutes, that uh, if I don't think that Biden or that Trump will mop the floor with Biden, I don't think that he would mop the floor necessarily with Bernie, but I think he would probably uh, mop the floor a little bit more with uh, with Bernie because of Bernie's policies. And that's where a lot of people, it does come down to policy, but it also comes down to who can best defeat Trump. And I think a lot of people get that Trump-like vibes from Bernie Sanders, not necessarily on policy, but on personality. And That is an extreme cop-out. Bernie Sanders would never say he would grab a woman by the you-know-what. No, and I, an no but I said not on, not on policy, but like and not just... On- personality either. Bernie Sanders is nothing like Donald Trump. People, the Democratic establishment is afraid of Bernie Sanders and is very interested in comparing him to Donald Trump in order to scare people who are maybe not as politically interested off. I I think that's an absolute cop out. Bernie Sanders is nothing like Donald Trump. But then why did a lot of Bernie Sanders go to Trump after he lost the Because they really didn't like Clinton. Yeah, because they were individuals who are bitter. Just like Warren supporters who were saying that they would support Biden over Bernie, even though Bernie's ideologically closer to their candidate. Individual people are bitter. Um, you can't blame Bernie for, you know, bitter idiots who, mm-hmm. if you've supported Bernie, it doesn't make sense to vote for Trump in the election, right? So well, it's they're the bitter. populism aspect of it. Yes, probably. true. Well, it's quite interesting but that, they're bitter, is that what I would say. everyone here, no matter what they think, believes that uh, that Trump is defeatable based on the candidate. Again, mm-hmm. Amara, you believe that uh, if Bernie's the candidate, then you can beat Trump. What are you going to say? No, Biden's going to lose. And you don't think that there's but a chance said, that Bernie gets but you the nomination? Said, you just said that it matters who the candidate is. But he thinks yeah. it'll Trump. be Biden for sure. That's yeah, why he's saying but that. The, but the question is whether whoever it is, does it matter? Even let's say Bernie got it. Do you think that Bernie can be Trump? No. If Biden got it, you think Biden can be Trump? No. So then your answer is no. It doesn't matter. I, I also wouldn't say what, that what, if Biden gets it, he's necessarily no. going to beat Trump. That's what I said. But I think he has a better chance at beating Trump than, dumb, than someone like so. Bernie. And I think an appeal to the status quo, which is like the Pete Buttigieg quote I mentioned earlier, which is what I feel that is, is pretty cowardly, honestly. What's um, the quote again? Uh, so he doesn't want to have to choose between Donald Trump's nostalgia for the 50s and Bernie Sanders' nostalgia for the revolutionary politics of the 60s or the civil rights movement. Um, I think that it's a cop-out. I think that it's cowardly. And I think that... Um, Normal people in North America, but America more than Canada, are having a really hard time of just surviving. And the wealth inequality in the United States is getting to a point where it's stifling. And I think something needs to change. And I think being too afraid to embrace change and instead handing the country to Donald Trump for another four years because you're afraid of of Bernie or you don't, you're part of the Democratic establishment that I would say has a vested interest in keeping things the way they are economically, um, is cowardly. And I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah, the real interesting and I think deciding uh, election will be four years from now. Um, uh, Trump has largely extended the status quo of the Bush years. So whether his wing of the Republican Party can find a new candidate to rally behind or if it's just going to be, you know, Reaganite bullshit. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if Trump did win again, who uh, was that 2024? I I don't think Nikki Haley. Fuck Nikki Haley. God. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She's she's a little neoliberal. UN type, like no, she's not a nationalist. She's not gonna. She wouldn't get um, Trump votes. That's for sure. I think, yeah, and I think also, 
we've mentioned this before, and I think this is pretty obvious to everyone. Trump won because he, well, while he didn't win the popular the vote, yes, he wasn't a he wasn't a Which politician. He didn't, he didn't either. He's part of the swamp. It's also ridiculous to want somebody who's never doesn't have any experience in a job do that job and the highest level of that job. But people are tired of politicians. They're tired of what they feel is the 1% in the establishment. Personally, I believe that Donald Trump is the physical embodiment of the establishment. But um, I think people are tired of that. Another reason that I think Bernie would do better than Biden is I think Bernie is more charismatic than Biden. I think Biden's kind of off-putting yeah, as a Bernie person. Bernie just yells. Look, I'm Jewish, I mean, and I get such vibes watching him, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you should uh, it's like listen my to dad what he's and, yelling like, my about. uncle or my dad and, like, my, his friend yell talk politics at the Passover Seder table. That's, that's how, what it, like— That's what it felt like with Biden and It's scary and how, like, I internalize that. I just feel like uh, we should listen to what the policies are rather than what are they just again? saying ridiculous stuff Besides medicare for medicare all for forgiving all. student loan debt forgiving but how would that be handled debt. where would that money come from how do you um, forgive it uh, taxes. bernie has not said where he how yeah, he's gonna pay for he it has, elizabeth yeah, has he has said he well, was gonna pay for it uh taxing the one percent i believe there was like a proposed tax on speculative wall street betting yes that <laughs> is what i'm talking about and the progressive wealth tax um which i think also people are using to scare people but bernie sanders is not going to tax somebody who makes like eighty thousand dollars a year at 52 percent. that's a lie I'm just going to say um, it's going to be Biden's going to be the nominee like all everything indicates that that's going to be the case. And I think he's going to pick Kamala Harris as his vice presidential and that as his running mate. We'll seal the deal and, I'll and tell we'll you have why another really four quickly, years of Donald Trump. Because I know we're running out of time. He she will he that's going to be where it's important, where he has all these flaws, you know, being old, dementia, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, he'll need someone who's going to be his like successor, yes. but also where he lacks appeal. She is more progressive than he is, arguably. Uh, she is a woman of color. He needs a woman, and I even would argue he needs a person of color uh, on his ticket. And she she was a prosecutor. She's a senator, so it's not like yeah. she's insignificant. Similar- she's largely unpopular. Why did she drop out almost... After Immediately, the debate. yeah. <laughs> Similar to Obama, she, she appealed to the she, she appealed to the woke Twitter crowd. That's yeah, why. so not the genuine woke Twitter crowd, the ridiculous woke Twitter crowd that thinks that somebody's identity somehow dictates their politics. Because mm-hmm. similar to Obama, who was the first black president, of course, big deal, but policy wasn't that different. You know, did as many bad things as other American presidents have done. Um, Kamala Harris was a prosecutor and put multiple people in prison she for was marijuana. An independent member of the law. related. Marijuana-related offenses, um, that's pretty abhorrent. And then to market yourself as somehow a voice for the black community while simultaneously doing something like that is disgusting. And I, if Joe Biden wins, um, it would be pretty funny to me if he chose Kamala Harris because I, I think that seals the deal and they won't win. I think uh, if you're patient enough, you'll find that in four, eight years, you'll get a candidate that is more, maybe not Bernie because... He's old, but AOC. AOC. I think Yikes. she's actually too young to be president. Yeah, not next time, but like she'll run. That progressive <laughs> wing of the Democratic Party is definitely uh, ascendant, and uh, you'll see them. And yeah, I just want want to like again, healthcare isn't a far left radical thing to provide. We have universal healthcare in Canada. We don't have free college or student loan. Debt, sorry, student loan debt forgiveness, but I also don't pay sixty thousand dollars a year to go how, here. How does Obamacare compare to Bernie Sanders's plan? Because Bernie Care, I believe that it's um, a Bernie Sanders' plan is really similar to what we have here, and Obamacare was still had a middleman, so I think that's the the main difference. And you think the U.S. can handle uh, the kind of the same system that we have here? Yeah, I do. Okay, I don't know why. The amount of people that first of all, Canadians are largely whether they like it or not probably wouldn't are used to being taxed very high 
And the amount of people that live in the United States far outnumbers the amount of people that live here that it's feasible. And even here, like, it's like, that's why I think something like uh, letting people choose to keep their private insurance or having a mechanism where you incrementally work towards Medicare for all where like it's because people have the I'm entitled to my entitlements that's a th- like once You're you have entitled something to health care but a yeah but like nation. no but there it once you rip away their private health care insurance that a lot of people have in the states that people like because there's an argument to be made that it is the service is better uh, on from a private insurance perspective than from from a public. I agree with the idea that um, personal, like individual people, would don't like the idea of their private insurance. Sh- going it should away. be incremental. We've seen that, but again, I think that um, there are people who are in mountains of debt that they'll never get out of because they had a heart attack or because they had um, a lot of people do home births in the states because how how expensive it is. Um, and had to be rushed to the hospital for some sort of complication. I think healthcare is um, a human right. And if you live in a wealthy developed nation, there's absolutely no reason you should be too poor to survive. It's absolutely disgusting and predatory. Um, like the morality episode, do you remember that dilemma we talked about with the man stealing the medication for his wife? Yep. Um, and we all said that it wasn't immoral because she was going to die. It's absolutely immoral the way that how expensive healthcare is because if you or your child or your family member is going to die, you're going to pay whatever it costs. You're going to take on whatever debt it is because it's your life. And I think it's absolutely disgusting the way that they're treated. Healthcare stocks or insurance stocks went up when Biden won Super Tuesday. And I think that's very do you, telling. And do that's you think to look part at. of the problem in the States is that medication costs so much and it's the pharmaceutical companies that are the no. problem? Because hospital stays cost a lot too. Giving birth costs a lot. I've read stories. But I'm in, saying like pres- 30, prescription medication is more expensive in the States Yeah, than I think that's here. all the problem. Okay. Um, all of it. But I think the bigger problem is how much things cost i've you know we've all i assume heard accounts of people who get very sick of course somebody gets cancer or somebody's kid gets cancer and they get fired from their job because their job doesn't want to pay for the health care and now they're screwed but there's people who break their arm or twist their ankle or have um smaller issues that they don't go to the doctor for because they can't afford it and that can grow into something worse you know a simple Something like simple like a UTI could grow into a kidney infection that could kill you if you don't get it treated fast enough. And to have to think about money um, just for some antibiotics, I think, is disgusting. $30,000 is the cost of pregnancy mm-hmm. and then before and after care. Wow. Absolutely well, we, ridiculous. We have a comment coming in from Hendrik. <laughs> he says, there is only one developed nation that somehow sees healthcare as impossible. And I'm wondering how a Canadian that's been to a hospital advocates for bankrupting people for a snake bite. Uh, Absolutely. I I don't. I I think the U.S. needs to work towards a system where people who aren't covered should be. And I think... As long as you're advocating against Medicare for all, you're advocating for for people dying and going bankrupt because they can't afford medication. That's an extreme cop-out. It's not. It's the truth. I just said I think that there should be coverage for people who don't have coverage. Yeah, right now, not progressively. Like tomorrow, there should be. No, but then I think... With the existence of private insurance, there should be a way to incrementally and gradually work towards a, uh, a system where uh, there is uh, an equal playing field for all. But I think that's it, not going to happen as long as private insurance exists. Yeah, private insurance—it's uh, it would be unprofitable to them to charge low uh, low insurance fees, like low premiums, because pe- people wouldn't be able to afford it. They would—it wouldn't make sense in their mathematical ratio to provide the services at such a low amount, which is where mm-hmm. the government, you know, wants And there's a lot from. of people who, no one said this, I'm not accusing anyone of saying this, but there's a lot of people who talk about how, I mean, 
um, in Canada, we have long wait times for surgeries. There's, yeah. you know, the hallway healthcare in hospitals, yeah. people being in hallways. That's obviously horrible. I like wouldn't nobody wants that to happen. But I think that um, I would much rather deal with that than deal with having to think about paying for not dying. I think it's a much easier solution to try to fix Canada's broken system than try to yeah. fix America's broken 100%. system. 100%. And I think healthcare is a human right. I do too. I, I think do. we all. I think we can all agree on that part. Though. I think it's just yep. a matter of how so then, to how to protect it. I think I don't think we all agree because I think if you're still well, healthcare is a human right. That's what we agree on. I think it's just a matter of how do we deal with for it. A system th- in which people can't afford healthcare, then you don't believe healthcare is a human I, I, right because you believe people who don't afford it shouldn't have it. I, I agree right with Amara. I, I believe in single payer government provided healthcare. Interesting. I do too. I just think from a political perspective, and I'm not saying this as being right necessarily. I'm just saying there would be such an incredible pushback for people who feel, quote unquote, entitled to their entitlements. Example being private insurance that their work uh, benefits for them or provides for them. And if you rip it away from them, they're going, it's like, it's like you're, it's like you see here when, uh, you know, certain things are taken away uh, by a government decision for efficiencies that people like they they lose their shit and they they feel the need to, to insane to go crazy. We're like wrestling with people to give them a better choice than what they have. We're like fighting with people to say this is like overall. Um, I've seen charts. I don't have the exact numbers. Um, obviously, taxes will go up if Bernie Sanders gets elected in order to pay for health care. But when you compare that to how much people pay for insurance, it's less. Um, we're literally arguing with people to give them cheaper and better access to health care. I think that's ridiculous. Like, again, health care is a human right. Nobody should be too poor to survive. I, I don't understand how this is even an argument. Not you specifically. I'm talking no. about people that are campaigning mm-hmm. and voting against it and the people that are married to this idea of their private insurance. And people who would go from Warren to Biden or anybody who would vote for Biden, if you're not part of the 1%, the establishment on either side, the Republican establishment or the Democratic establishment, they're not working for you. And mm-hmm. throwing your support behind them is ridiculous. And the last thing I want to mention is, uh, you just mentioned Warren, we have a comment from Matthew Arus. Uh, do y'all think the only chance of Warren endorsing Bernie is if he offers her VP at this point? Probably. Um, if that's true, Warren, like, maybe. That might be true. I don't know, mm-hmm. Warren. Um, that's gross. You know, it shouldn't be like a give and take. I think, like, separately from this, the idea of her as his VP, something mm-hmm. to think about. That's right. possible. But I think if she's like, I'm only going to support you. I'm only going to endorse you if you give me mm-hmm. VP. It's ridiculous. And I think that right. if she does something like that or if she doesn't endorse him, she needs to stop calling herself a progressive and fess up to the fact that she wanted to be president and didn't want to make the world or America better for American right. people. And uh, that's that's where we're going to end it off today. We went a little over because we had such a great discussion that was our show for this week. Thank you to everyone that tuned in and that messaged us live. Thank you, Zahavi, uh, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, and something very interesting for our audience is after the show, we're actually going to put up a poll uh, now that we only have two main contenders uh, in the race. Uh, who do you believe is going to be the nominee, Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden? So make sure to vote on that after the show. Uh, a brand new episode of The Robin Report will be coming to you next week, same day same time, same people. Have a great day, everyone.